Happy Mother's Day to all you ladies out there. We want to celebrate you today. And wholeheartedly, I believe, whether you biologically mother children or not, God has placed those around you for a reason in this season for you to mother and to nurture. And we want to honor you all. We know you nurture like no other. You care like no other. You love and clean and fix boo-boos like no other. You put yourself last on the list like no other. Today, you're seen, you're celebrated, and you are loved, and we just want to say thank you. I hope today is so special for you. And to all of you men out there, we want to say welcome to you as well. I hope you take care of those ladies today. Well, over the last three weeks, we have been diving through a series called Frequency, and Pastor Josh taught us so gently about hearing the voice of God and listening to his still, small voice. And today, I just want to kind of bridge that. Once we hear it and we listen to it, now what do we do with it? And today, I want to teach and talk about the simple, sometimes simple, sometimes difficult act of trusting and obeying what he's said for us to do. And as I was preparing this message, I couldn't help but begin to think about all the seasons, good and bad, that he's brought me through, me and Josh, and in our marriage, it's been incredible, but it hasn't always been at the high. There's mountains and there's valleys, I think, in all of our stories, through miscarriage, through deaths of loved ones in our family, to raising two incredible boys, to sickness in our family. It goes back and forth like most of our stories, but through it all, good and bad, I come to this one phrase that resonates in my spirit every single time, and here it is, when I trust God, I can't lose. And that is the title of today's message. When I trust him, I can't lose. And so I think by nature, we as humans, you probably already know before I say it, we'd like to have control. Think about Jonah. Long before any of us, Jonah was called to Nineveh, a prophet, a man of God, but he wanted to take control of what he thought was best. And ultimately, he ended up in the place that God called him to at the beginning of the plan. And then Sarah made a huge mess, like we all do. She actually calls, quite frankly, a national divide that even impacts us today. But God still fulfilled his promise, like he, like he said he would. They teach us so many lessons about trusting God, but we are no exception to these people in the Bible. And when I think about worrying and taking control, those are displays, those are actions that are literally showing the opposite of trusting God. It's, it's a lack of trusting God, if you will. And so here is where I land in whatever season that I'm in. Either God is going to allow the plan that I've conjured up in my human-sized brain to actually come to pass, which sometimes does, or his sovereign plan, what he knows is best, will be fulfilled. And either way, I can't lose Okay, Britt, so what are you getting at? You're saying it over and over. Here's what I'm getting at. It's easier said than done. If that wasn't the case, worry, anxiety, control, panic, and fear, in the middle of a global pandemic, quite in the world, those things wouldn't exist if it was easier said than done. Because he has all of us in the palm of his hand. And no matter how many times we tell ourselves that, the hard part is just letting go. And today we're going to jump into a story of an unsung hero in the Bible, one of my very favorites. And we're going to learn some lessons for her about how she trusted God. But before we do, 
I want to challenge you. I think if we're not careful, over the last five weeks of doing church at home, it becomes a little bit of the new normal. And if we're not careful, we start to get complacent, get comfortable. So today I want to challenge you. Do something during the service today, the stream, whatever time you're watching it. Do something different than you have before. Maybe for you that looks like sitting down. Maybe you've been um, watching the stream and listening to it while you're busy. Sit down and be still and rest in the word today. For some of you, it could mean just grabbing your actual Bible in your hand. For some of you, it's chatting in the chat box below. Type what God is speaking to you during this message so you can engage with others. And for others, maybe you're just grabbing a device or a pen and taking some notes. Whatever it looks like, I pray that you will digest it. You'll take it to heart, and it will practically be applied to you as we move forward this week. Let's just pray together before we hop in. Jesus, God, I just pray for your anointing. God, I'm so grateful that you are only found in one location. God, location, circumstances, interruptions, they don't affect your presence. And God, we're grateful for that today. I pray that what is spoken would go forth into these homes, into these workplaces, into all of the places that you'll find us. God, speak to our hearts today. In your name, amen. Amen. Now, as we set the stage, we're going to be going to 2 Kings for our story. But I just want to set some background. I love the context of his word. And if you flip to the Old Testament, not only are you going to find 2 Kings, but you're going to find 1 Kings. And First and 2 Kings put together, they are just a huge book or books of the history of the kings of Israel and Judah. And here's the super cool part. If you're holding First and 2 Kings in your hand, just like this, you're holding almost 400 years of history. That blows my mind. But tucked away in all of these powerful kings and all of their all kingdoms and reign and royalty is this humble woman known as the Shunammite woman. And we're going to meet her in a time of Israel where the kings are wicked. Most of them that have gone and come through all of history have been just really wicked during this time, bowing down to fake gods, not worshiping the God that we would know of. Famines are rampant. Even priests weren't really worshiping the one true God. And historians believe that through the population, about 7,000 people were left who hadn't actually bowed down to a fake God. We also meet, besides her, we're going to meet another person named Elisha. He was a prophet, very, very, very important prophet. And during this time, he is ministering back and forth in Israel, and he would travel to the mountain and through the valley and over to a town called Shunem. And during this time, the Shunammite woman, she would see him going back and forth and ministering, and it blessed her so, so much. And we're going to pick up in 2 Kings this morning, chapter 4, verse 8. It says this, One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room for him on the roof. Put a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp in it for him. Then he can just stay there whenever he comes to us. And we're going to pause there for a second because I love the opening of this story. She has watched him bless so many others with the word and prophesying messages from God himself. And it blesses her so much that she wants to bless him back. So 
Immediately in the story, I connect with her because of her spirit of hospitality. Can you imagine him coming in for meals? And they are not the majority. The majority of people are bowing to false gods, but how refreshing and filling it must be for her and her husband to sit and talk with him of all the miracles that he's seeing and the things that he's learning from God and ministering to others. It must bless their hearts. The coolest part about her spirit of hospitality is that she absolutely expects nothing in return. And so time goes on. They have meals together. He stays there. I don't know how many times. Scripture doesn't tell us that. But I know that you really get to know each other. And Elisha has reached the point where he's like, man, she has blessed us so much. And I say us because he has his servant Gehazi with him. She's blessed us so much. We've got to do something back for her. And we're going to pick up on our story in verse 11 through 14. It says this, one day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and he lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? Listen to her response. She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her, Elisha said. You ever had someone you want to do something for, and they're like, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Elisha has found himself there frustrated, like, what do I do? And Gehazi said, she has no son, and her husband is old. Before we move forward, I just want to camp for a second on verse 13. Her response is going to lead us into point one today. She said back to him, I have a home among my own people. The message version, I love this. It says, nothing. I'm secure and satisfied with my family. Point one today, trusting God requires contentment. Trusting God requires contentment. 1 Timothy 6, 6 tells us, godliness with contentment is great gain. And here's what blows my mind through it all. How many meals have they had together? How many times has he stayed in their house? And Elisha had no clue that inside of this humble woman was a lasting and longing dream, a desire for a baby. And here's what hit me in my studying. The reason why he had no idea is because she was more content with what God had done for her than she was crippled by what he hadn't. And, and my question today is just, how do you walk on your journey? Day to day, day to day. Is it ever good enough? Is, is where you are and what you have ever good enough? Are you content? Are you grateful for the goodness in your life today? Are you more concerned with where you could be or where you wished you were? She's focused on what matters in the now, and she's trusting God for the rest. And here's where our equation comes in. We've reached the moment where she can't lose. She knows that God knows what's best for her, and she can't lose. God knows what's best for you. When you say that, when you believe it and you trust it, you can't lose. Hebrews 13.5 tells us, Be content with what you have, because God has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And, and you guys, no matter where you find yourself today, if we typed in the chat, we would all be in different seasons all over the place. Sickness, job loss, we're in the middle of COVID-19. Everything looks different for all of us right now. Finances are, could be all over the place. 
Anxiety could be rampant in your home. All of these things affect our relationships with our loved ones. It could be chaos. You could feel like life is honestly falling apart. But I want to encourage you. Growth and strengthening, they are found in the waiting. They are found in the waiting, not in the worrying. He sees you. He's with you. He is fighting for you. But you have to be content with where you are for his plan to come to pass. We've got to be content and trust him for his promises never fail. Amen? And we're going to pick back up after he has just realized from his servant that she doesn't have a son. And let's go to verse 15 and 16. Then Elisha said, call her. So we called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. And I don't know if you're as shocked as I am by her change and her tone of voice, but verse 16 really hit me. When she said, don't mislead your servant, the message version says, don't play games with me. And her tone changed in this moment because Elisha has just mentioned the impossible. And how many of you know when we, when we get to something in our life, when it looks like there is no light at the end of the tunnel, it's impossible. That's when we are making room for God to do what only he can do. And a year later, are you surprised? She's holding a son in her arms. God fulfills his promise. Of course he does. But trusting him requires contentment. And the story goes on, and I'm going to paraphrase just for a few moments as, moments as we go. And don't hate me because it's going to go on a little bit of an emotional roller coaster. But we're going to flash forward seven years, around seven years old. Their son is now working in the field with his dad and all of their servants. And he's working like any other normal day. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he begins. The scriptures say that he is screaming, my head, my head. And he is in severe pain in his head. And his father yells at the servants, please hurry, get him to his mother. See, moms, they need us with their boo-boos, and they need us when they're sick. And just like that in the Bible, he calls the servants to get the boy to his mom. And I would love to say that he was all better, and they got a Band-Aid, and everything was good. But unfortunately, as she held him in her arms, she tried her best, but he passed away by noon that day. And her response here is going to lead us to point two. She picks up her dead son in her arms. I can't even imagine. I'm just going to cry thinking about it. But she carries him, and she does not go and prepare for his burial. She gets him, and she goes upstairs, and she lays him on the bed of Elisha, upstairs in the room that she had prepared. And she runs down the stairs, and she's not preparing for a burial. She's getting ready for a resurrection. Amen. And point two today is that trusting God requires confidence. It requires confidence. She is confident in the power of her source, the power of God. And she goes down. I can see it now. And she's yelling at her servants, yelling at her servants, hurry, get the donkey ready. I've got to go. I've got to go. And her husband comes up and he's like, what's going on? What are you doing? And she says, I've got to go find the holy man. And he says, why? It's not the Sabbath, because traditionally she would go to listen to him, Elisha, on the Sabbath. And the message version says, don't ask me any questions. I love that. Don't mess with a woman on a mission. Right, girls? 
And in verse 27, she's gone, and we see that basically Elisha and Gehazi spot her. I can see from across the valley, and she's coming up. She actually said in Scripture to the servants, don't you slow down unless I tell you to. And Elisha spots her coming along, and he tells Gehazi, go and meet her. Something must be wrong. That's the Shunammite woman. And Gehazi gets to her, and in one foul swoop, he's like, is your family okay? Are you guys okay? She doesn't even take a breath zooms right past him, kind of just saying, we're good, because nothing was going to stop her from getting to the source of her miracle. And as heartbreaking as it is in this moment, I can't even imagine the tragedy and the heartbreak in her, in her life at all. can't even wrap my head around it. She gets off her donkey, and in verse 28, it, it tells us that she falls at the knees of Elisha. And here's what she said. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? And I was kind of taken back when I read this. Like, wait a minute. Her confidence is failing her. But then it hit me, no. Her confidence isn't failing. She's just found herself in a moment of vulnerability. And that's where God hits the stage. You guys, he didn't promise us a life without trouble or pain. But if we let him... He will use it. It will not be wasted. In John 16, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Through our troubles, we have to be confident in our source. He is our source for hope, joy, guidance, provision. Confidence lets God write your story, and my story. But how many of you know we have to be vulnerable to pass the pen? Vulnerability says, God, it doesn't look like I planned, but I trust you. It doesn't feel like I thought it would, but I trust you. I don't understand, but I trust you. God, I didn't mark a pandemic on my OCD plan calendar, but I trust you. See, he doesn't cause life's interruptions all the time but he won't waste them either. What are you learning through the season that we find ourselves in? How will you be different when it passes and you know it will? Are you trusting him? Are you growing right now? It takes guts, it takes confidence to say, I surrender my plan for yours. You know what's best for me. I release the need to know. It takes confidence to do that. And as we paraphrase a little bit to the end of the story, Elisha stands and she obviously, he obviously realizes what has happened. And by the end, all three of them make their way back into the room with her son. First, Elisha's in there by himself and he lays on the boy and he prays. And the boy's body gets warm and he begins to breathe. And as a mother, I just, every time the story gets me, I don't know why, it's so, it's so horrible, but he opens the door and just the relief that she must feel as she sees her son standing there. But all along, she was confident. She was confident in her source. And the power of God is seen in this moment. And have you noticed at all that Elisha has had meals with her and her husband, who knows how many, has stayed in her home, has ministered to them so many times. He's now raised their son back from the dead. And we never 
know her name. We still don't know her name. In fact, Elisha is calling her Shunammite woman, even when he's raising her son from the dead. And it occurred to me, trusting God, it's not about us. She, she didn't care about the honor and the credit and the glory. It was never about us, me, I, my, our plan, my agenda. See, he's always the main character. His faithfulness always shines through. His love, his compassion, he meant for it to always be shown through his scripture. But it takes confidence and it takes security to be completely trusted in him, knowing who you are in him. It takes confidence. He's the main character and his glory always shines through if we live a life confident in him. She trusted God with her barrenness. She was content. She trusted God through her child's death and she was confident. She didn't care about the credit. It was about God all along. And when we're confident enough to let him write our stories, he has best endings. And I'm so excited to tell you that is, as it feels, the story is over. It's not. Can you believe that we just wrapped up in chapter four today and chapter five keeps going and chapter six keeps going and chapter seven keeps going, but we're gonna meet the Shunammite woman again in chapter eight as we go into our third point this morning. And so what I wanna tell you is this, what we don't see at the end of this chapter is that Elisha has just warned her and her family that a famine is coming. And he says, you guys gotta get out of here. You've gotta go, it's gonna last seven years. And so they go. And we're gonna pick up in chapter eight in verse, or sorry, point three this morning when she's coming back into town from being gone for seven years. And her response in this moment leads us to our last point. Trusting God requires courage. If you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to chapter eight? We're gonna read verses three through six. It says this, at the end of the seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines and went to appeal to the king for her house and her land. The king was talking to Gehazi. Gehazi, hadn't we met him before? Hmm. The servant of the man of God and said, tell me about all of the great things that Elisha has done. Just as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha had brought back to life came to appeal to the king for her house and her land. Second time, this woman was on a mission, you guys. She has just busted up into the king's courts. She didn't go talk to the servants or the attendants. She is back home. She's lost her house. She's lost her land, and she is on a mission. And it took courage to do what she did. But our God is a God of details. And all the while he goes before us, Gehazi, who was the servant of Elijah seven years ago, has now found himself working in the king's courts. And the king, not serving the one true God, is just getting a little bit curious about this Elisha guy. He continues to hear about the miracles that are taking place, the things that he's prophesying. And he wants to know, hmm, is any of this actually real? And so he says to Gehazi, tell me, tell me about Elisha. And he's just in the middle of the story of the son being raised to life when she walks in the door. That is not an accident. God is in the details. And with courage, she walks straight to the king to ask for her stuff back. And the king replies with this. Hold on. This is the lady? This is the lady that you were just telling me about? Huh, why don't I get her to confirm the story? What if Gehazi's making all of this up? 
She confirms the whole story. And he is just completely beside himself with the power of her God. She must be protected. This must be the God from heaven. And Joshua 1.9 tells us this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God's with us. He is fighting for us. And she displays this act of courage, trusting God with courage. And God does what only he can do again. Pass him the pen. When we trust God, we can't lose. He always does far more than we can think or imagine. And in this moment, the king gives her her home back, her land back. But not only that, he pays her for all seven years that she was gone. And an added bonus, the power of her God was just confirmed to this wicked king in that moment. Her act of obedience was used. When we trust God, we can't lose. He knows best and he uses us as an example to others. I love this quote from my mom. She said, there's peace with contentment, there's praise with confidence, and there's power with courage. And we can rest in his promises today. And as we close this morning, I just thought that it would be so fitting. I know all of this applies to men and women, but I wanted to just just a second on Mother's Day to reflect back on some women in scripture who went before us and taught us some lessons on trusting God. From Eve, we learn, we gotta release the need to know. From Hagar, we must release hopelessness and discouragement in the midst of the storm. Job's wife, we must release the temptation to give up. Lot's wife, we must release the need to look at the past and focus on the future that God has for us. From Martha, we must release our timing for his. And from Mary, we have to release the need to know why. From Miriam, we must release our pride. And from Rachel, we must release the temptation to compare ourselves to others. From Naomi, we must release the habit of worry. What areas in your life today are you controlling? What areas do you need to get your hand off the wheel? As we close in prayer today, I just wanna pray that you're challenged this week to trust him. But I also wanna pray for those of you who may be watching that maybe you haven't started a relationship with Jesus. He sent his son as the perfect sacrifice that we can live guilt-free under his grace and his mercy. And if you are feeling that tug to start a relationship today, I just wanna tell you, it'll be the best decision you've ever made. Can we pray together wherever you are? Jesus, today, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this teaching. I pray in our spirit, God, we would begin to learn to be vulnerable, to release, to be content, to have confidence that you will see us through. And for those of you listening, if you are deciding today to make a decision to follow Jesus, I just wanna ask you, can you repeat this prayer after me? It will be the best one you've ever prayed. Just where you are, repeat after, repeat after me. Jesus, I need a new start. Come into my life today. Cleanse me from the mistakes that I've made. I wanna trust that you know what's best. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you made that decision, we are celebrating and we cannot wait to walk on this journey with you. Now, before we close today, I just wanna tell you we have something special. 
on this Mother's Day, we wanna leave with this song of blessing. Pastor Zach and Emily have put this together for us and it's so special. Please just soak it in this morning. I hope you have the best Mother's Day. We love you so much. Thousand generations, your family, your children.
Thank you for joining us online for service today. If you have made a decision to follow Christ, let us know by filling out a digital connection card. And one of our pastors will help you take your next steps. And also, don't forget to join us for Growth Track today following the 10 a.m. service. The Zoom link can be found in the service description. As always, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week.